committee that instead of her singing 52 hymns, can I have my sub um, station, please? Instead of singing 52 hymns, we will sing every day for her. And you know that I'm a born singer, so every day I will sing a hymn. So that, um, you didn't understand what I just said, I just spoke in tongues. I just spoke in tongues. It's, what's, it's good to celebrate those who labor over you in the Lord. The Bible commands us to do so in the book of First Thessalonians. And so we will obey the scripture by celebrating the servant of the Lord. But today, you know, God has been speaking to me concerning the areas to, to deal with. From January to June, I told you the Lord told me to build, to teach you on foundational teaching. So we went back to the doctrine of faith, laying of hands, and all the foundational teaching, salvation, and all stuff like that. But from this August, knowing fully well that the end of August is Holy Ghost Convention, the Lord told me to start teaching you on the coming of the Lord. The coming of the Lord. And now I will say to you that in this lecture, I can point to you and ask you to tell me what I said last. At any time. So make sure you are writing. Because the church of God is the university of learning of God's intelligence and knowledge. The purpose of the church is not just coming to sing and dance. Of course, that is part of it. It's not just coming to pray, but that is part of it. But it's much more coming to hear the word, to know the word, so that we can be practitioners of the word. And it is in that that we are fulfilled and successful. Like we look into the book of Joshua, chapter, yes, tell the church, 1 verse 8. And what does it say? This book of Hey, excuse me, I'm going back to New Cross. I, I'm not in for all this kind of reading. Read the Bible loud. Shall we do it together? This book of the law. Yes. Uh-huh. Be careful to do everything. Written therein. And then what will be the results? So Satan can't stop a Christian in any way. Impossible. If a Christian is not successful, it's your fault. Because it is you who God gave the money to make your way. And God told you the only way you can, what the only thing you need to do to make your way prosperous is just to obey. And I remember that Brother Adil led a prayer in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verse. And what does it say? Put it on the board please. Hey, hey, excuse me. Read in the cathedral way. I love it. So the man who pleases who? God. Isn't it? God gives him what? Wisdom. And he gives him what? Knowledge. And gives him what? 
happiness. Not only that, and he says, but the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. You know, let me say this, every sinner that amass wealth, if in their own lifetime, that wealth does not leave their hand to the righteous, on their death, his righteous will inherit them. Or if they leave inheritance for their children, watch them all over the world. Their children will sell all those things. Because the word of God cannot be broken. But that's what just said to one who pleases God. Now, what does the Bible say about pleasing God? Look at the book of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. Pleasing, pleasing God. How do we know to please God? So that we can be victim of this scripture. Shall we read it together? Say it again. Because So therefore, a man of faith is a man that pleases God. But that is not a faith of believing God for a miracle. He's not talking about that. He's talking about faith practitioners. And he's saying that faith, of course, the Bible says faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing and hearing, hearing what? The word of God. So if you take that in connection with Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, you will discover that God is synchronized. That is the itinerary of the Bible. God never said two things. If he talks about something, check it out in the whole Bible. It's the same thing he speaks. To have faith in God, you must be someone who hears the word of God again and again and applies. And a person of faith is a person who earnestly seeks God. You remember my definition for earnest? Systematic and consistent. That is earnest. Be systematic in your approach and be consistent in it. You don't pray three times a day and pray one time tomorrow. You don't get results. If you are praying three times a day, that hour you don't miss it and you consistently seek God in it. Because you are turning the scriptures into action. So, if you please God therefore, because you have consistently sought God, that is reading the Bible, obeying the Bible and following it with the whole of your strength, then the ecclesiastics apply. Anyhow, all what I'm telling you right now is just a summary of what we have been doing over the past few days. We went to the minister's meeting last week and God visited us. And those of us who were there can testify. And God told me that one of the things I taught the ministers I should teach you. So for the next 30 minutes, we're going to be diving into the deep waters of the Spirit of God. Amen. <laughs> The title of the message today, which we'll look into, into some few times, is under the big heading, The Coming of the Lord. But the subtitle of today is, Are You Ready to Meet Your Savior? Are you ready to meet your Savior? I want to ask yourself the question, if today my word is the last word you will hear, and after this word you die, what will be of your, what will be your faith? A good number of people don't want to talk about death, but Christians should celebrate death. Because the Bible says for me to die is what? Good. 
If you are certain that you are born again, you are eager to go. If you are not eager to go, it's because though you are born again, you haven't had encounters of heaven. When you have encounters of heaven, it changes the whole of your perspective of, about the whole thing that you have in this world. I can tell you that because I have encountered the vision of heaven more than 14 times. That Lord had taken me to heaven. And the book I wrote, I wrote about each episode. And so when I talk about heaven, I do not talk about a fiction. I'm saying this because it has to do with this lecture. Because in these days, there are a lot of jargon all over the whole church, across the globe. Some people are saying that Jesus has come. That is a theology they are developing now. And it's growing fast among Pentecostal Christians. Some people are saying that Jesus will not come in our time. And that ideology too is growing fast among Christians. But only few are waiting for the coming of the Lord, which can happen any minute as I'm talking to you. Somebody says that what is my evidence that I went to heaven? Several. It's one of my encounters in heaven. God showed me Britain, that Britain would beg for food. 2004, I announced it. I saw famine in Britain, and I saw Britain begging for food. From nation to nation, they are going. And I asked the Lord, and the Lord said to me that because they have, de- that they, they have deviated from the God of their fathers, I will humble them. And what we, if you look at the decision we have made on Brexit and all stuff like that, those who made the decision today, ask them where are we going, they don't know. All of them have left. Majority do not really want this, this decision, but majority did not go to vote the hand of God. And after the voting has gone one way, majority who voted for it are regretting that they ever did it. Because some of them are victims of it. Now, we have just started. It was one of my encounters to heaven that I told you the date the stock exchange of the whole world will crash. And told you to sell your stock. And you did. And you made money. And it crashed on that date. One of my encounters in heaven, God had revealed to me decisions that he made. You know, one day that lost him to the presence the throne room and instructed an angel to take away a, 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 one of the president of the a tyrannic president in Africa. I announced it to you on Friday and he was gone on, on Sunday. The man who is unremovable. The man who everybody fear even in their bedroom to, to speak about. And I have many evidences to show you of things that God told me, which many of you are witnesses, you are here in this church at the time, and God said to me that this will happen at this time in this country. Everything he told me to the time happened. A prophet is not somebody who says to you that the Lord will bless you. God is making a way for you. No, that is, that is prophetic declaration. It's not utterances. Prophets are people who have open vision and they hear God. Numbers 12 verse 6. If there's a prophet among you, I reveal myself to them by dreams and I speak to them by visions. But I want to say this, that I'm saying this to you because... I want to talk to you today about heaven. If you have an issue, go and read my book. Somebody was in this meeting yesterday uh, from Pastor Derek's church. A woman who had what God is doing through Pastor Derek and Tabernacle Church. And they moved from, you know, from, um, they moved from Bristol. And they came to investigate because the tower that burns down. Okay, all of you need to know it. And those of you watching on television need to know it. The tower that burned down. The charities have raised 25 million and no penny reached the hand of the victims. 
Alright, in London. So, but Tabernacle Church have been helping the victims to the place where by Sainsbury's and other organizations are bringing clothes to Tabernacle Church and food. They are entrusting them with it. And some of them discover that this church, everything they give to them, they are giving to the people. They are even giving their own money to the people. And they have now diverted their aid to Tabernacle Church. They raised 25 million by people and they've given all out to the, to the victims. The victims come there. So these people who came last, uh, yesterday, they came because they saw a church helping the victims. So they came because they want to help. And when they got to pastor, they told pastor that, you know, we have come from, from uh, uh, Br- uh, Bristol. We don't have a house in London. And we want to, we want to, we believe that we should be part of it. They were not born again. So pastor got them involved, integrated them. And he was asking pastor, why are you people doing this? And pastor told him about Jesus. When pastor was telling her about Jesus, she was amazed. Though she's a white sister... The wife, complete wife family. But she never heard about Jesus. In England. And so, pastor said to him that, you know, because when pastor was telling him about the Lord Jesus and the why they are doing that, that discussion grew to talking to him about me. That, look, this is our father, spiritual father, and this is what his encounters, experience and stuff. And the woman said, does that happen? He said, okay, take this is his book. The woman read the book immediately and finished the book. Now, this is what happened. After the woman read my book on my encounters with the Lord Jesus and his holy angels, the woman started praying three times a day. Every, every three hours. You know, I wrote it there. The way to power is easy with God. It is a template in the Bible which is rigid. You have to seek the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. When God is priority over every other thing, then you enter power. It doesn't matter what, who you are. So the woman started praying now and said, pray to Jesus, which she has not accepted. That Jesus, I want somebody to take our house in Bristol. They, have, they put it on the market. Nobody will, will they want to swap, exchange. That people will move from London to Bristol, they will take their house and they will get this corresponding house here. As she began to pray, that week, somebody called them and they have exchanged. That house was done. Then she continued to pray over other parts of her life. And she said the, the manifestation as Tony Star. She came to pastor and said, I want to accept this Jesus. The book you gave me. He said, I've been praying that. This man had this. She said, pastor, I came from a background that can identify with that man. So she came yesterday and pastor came and told me. I said, okay, pastor, let me see her. If a woman sought God like that, the whole of her body is tattooed. The woman met me at the door there. And the woman said to me, Apostle, I'm happy to see you. I read your book. All your encounters with Jesus. How God took you to heaven. I read about your father. And she said to me, My past is terrible. She said, When I read the story of your father, I can identify. And I understand she must have been involved in witchcraft or Satanism. Because that's what my father was. So, I had to show her the scriptures. Romans chapter 4 verse 7. Blessed are those whose sins are buried. And verse 8. Blessed are those whose sins the Lord will never count. And I said to him, told her my story, the story of my father, my, my grandfather, wicked family. 
But yet Jesus saved my father. And I said, when Jesus forgives us, it is hard for us to forget because we are human. But God forgets it. He blots out our transgressions like a smoke. He wipes it off. I say that to you to help you understand that what I'm about to teach you about heaven is real. We testify not about the Jesus we preach only, but the Jesus that I can say. I testify about the Jesus whom I preach and also appeared unto me. So heaven is real. Heaven is real. It's the abode of some people. Hell is more real than her, the earth. And some people have gone there. Therefore, are you ready to meet your maker? The first two we are going to look at the book of Revelations. Well, let me say that in these scriptures we are going to be looking at the aim of this lecture. One, is Jesus really coming back? <clears throat> Number two, how will this take place if he's coming back? Number three, what are the signs of his coming? How do we know the time is near? Or is up? Then number four. When will this take place? And then number five. What will, what will he do on his return? Now if we look at the evidence of the scripture in the book of uh, Revelation chapter 2 verse 12. It answers, is Jesus coming back? What did, what did the Bible say there? Verse 12 of chapter 22. Shall we read it together, please? Behold. No, chapter 22, verse 12. Now, Jesus spoke a lot in his lifetime about his going and his coming back. And he, after he had died and ascended to heaven, he came back again with an encounter with um, John, the revelator, to tell him again, Behold, I'm coming soon. And he expressed to us why he's coming. He said, My reward is with me. And he said, And I will give unto everyone according to what he has what done. This scripture, please come over. Bring them over here, please. Hello, brother, come. Put your hands together for my son and my daughter. The latest husband in town. Please say to the middle. I'm proud of both of you. I've been talking about you and I will talk about you in this message to the whole world to hear. I'm very proud of you guys. If I'm so rich, I will send you all over the world to go and do honeymoon in every continent of the globe. My money is coming. Even if you didn't say amen, I know it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now let's continue. We are looking at the validity of the coming of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, behold, I'm coming soon. Man, my reward is with me. And I will give unto every one according to what he has done. If you look at this scripture, the first, the first valid point is that Jesus said he's coming soon. We will look in, in, in this lecture on the word soon. Do we have indicators to how soon or when? From Jesus' mouth 
And then we look at other authorities. So that our words are, are, are you know, inference can be valid. But first from this horse's mouth. Then he says, what will he do when he comes? He says, my reward is with me and I will give unto everyone according to what he has done. Now, can I say that during this week, I think it was on Friday or so, I was teaching you about reward different from inheritance. Now let's look at Colossians chapter 3 verse 23. Colossians 3, 2, 3. Shall we look at it very quickly? All right. God will help them up there. Colossians 3.23 He said, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Now, if you don't understand this, this scripture tells you and I that we will receive inheritance at the end of our life. A reward. But you see, the important thing in this scripture is that he spoke about, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. And we understand that inheritance is different from reward. Reward is the compensation for labor. Inheritance, you never work for it. Somebody owns something, and another man who did not contribute to, to, to existence of that thing, inherits it. And you cannot inherit a man until after death. Because in law, inheritance becomes valid after death. The, the, the transfer of the property of uh, divider's inheritance happens at the death of the one who, 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 you know, wrote the will, or who gave the, the inheritance out. Therefore, we understand, therefore, that the inheritance that we will receive, or the reward that we will receive, is a reward that arises by the virtue of the death of Christ on Calvary, because it is the death of Christ in Calvary that gave us inheritance in God. I hope I'm simple. Yes? Do we all understand that? Okay. Jesus died. So all that belongs to God become available to those who believe in Him. Alright? And then, when we die, we receive a reward from that inheritance. Are we true now? I want to understand every step I go, I go through. Because people who are on the wrong doctrine will confront some of you, and you must be able to argue about Christ, about these things, Either to a layman or to anyone classified so-called intellectuals. I teach you how to bust every deception of Satan. So, if you go back to my lecture on Friday, you will see more details on the reward, which I shared with you from the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. But here, Jesus revealed in the Revelations, we go back to that, 22 verse 12, that he's coming soon and he's coming with a reward. And he will give to everyone according to what he has done. Now understand this. This reward that Jesus will give will take place after we die. He's not talking about the earthly reward here. 
And that is the reason why it is most dangerous for anybody who believes he is following Jesus to be ignorant. Because when you and I die, we cannot add anything to what happens thereafter. We cannot. That's the end of it. There is no purgatory anywhere. A man reaps whatever he has sown. The book of Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 says, Just as a man is, is destined to die once, and after that, to face judgment. This scripture tells us that there is no middle ground between death and judgment. There is no such a thing as purgatory. There is no such a thing in the Bible that when you die, God will send you somewhere, punish you, and then he will take you to heaven. Satan developed those theories. The Bible does not. When a man dies, that's it. Let me say this to you. When you go to university and you play your life off and you do your examination, does your lecturer have mercy on you? No, because he's not the only one who marks it. Some other people will sit over it. And if he's marking nonsense, he will soon lose his job. Are you with me now? So, the moment you finish and you do the exam, bam! You cannot have a cool-off period where you go and make good what you have submitted. What you have submitted becomes your work. That determines your level. So is death. Once we die, finish! Now let me say this to you before I go on. There are many preachers in hell. Bishops and senior hierarchies in the church. Because they did not die in Christ. There are many satanists who did so much wickedness. But they have had the gospel. They didn't respond. Just towards their death, they beg God for mercy. Understand that these ones are ignorant. That's why God permitted the grace. But not somebody who knows the truth and is doing evil, thinking that he will repent before his death. Satan will kill him before repentance. And God will permit it. Hebrew tells us that. I will have time for you to take you through all this, you know, because I always like you to ask me questions so that we really iron this stuff out. In Christ's tabernacle, you will know the truth. And the truth that you know will what? Tell somebody that you will know the truth. And the truth will set you what? Free. Therefore, after death is judgment. What about reward? If you look at the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10, it talks more about reward. Give it to us now. We must all appear. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Look at this. That each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Whether good or bad. Now this scripture tells you and I that some of us will do bad in the church of God. And you get the reward. Some of us will do good in the church of God. And you get the reward. But you see, death does not kill because of age. Young people die. Babies born today die. Old people die. Settle this in your heart. After death is judgment. We are talking about, are you ready to meet your maker? So, I have shown you briefly, because of time, that it is valid that Jesus is coming back. Because Jesus says so. Behold, I come 
soon, or I'm coming soon, or I come quickly. I've established to you that after death, there is no such a thing as purgatory. You die, it's judgment. Now, how will the coming of the Lord Jesus take place? You know, each of these topics that I'm teaching you, I'm going to look at it for a whole service. And you will give me that Sunday an hour. I will start teaching you from 15 minutes into service so that we won't close late. You need to know the word of God. This is perilous time. The spirit of hell is breathing over the hour. And many are going to hell daily. Satan is gluttoning on that. And the heart of God is that mankind that he had made will know him. The only true God. Jesus is the only way. There is no other way. It is totally foolish to believe there is two ways. Because you came out of your mother's womb. It's only women who conceive and give birth. Man don't conceive and give birth. I was watching Sky News this week and there was so much a nonsensical, stupid, unreasonable, uneducated thing on television. Somebody was said on television that he's he's gender and he gave birth to a child. And I wanted to see the man who gave birth to a child. And at the end of the day they said that she's a woman but she changed herself to a man and then she gave birth to a child. As if they are all fools there. Because how can you tell me somebody who has who is a woman and created a woman by God, she has a womb in her. And now because she changed her dick organ to man and then they inserted sperm into the same womb of a woman and you are saying that it, a man gave birth. It is totally out of sense. I wish like I can disappear through the waves and appear in the, in the very place they are talking that. Let us talk about science. Let us talk about philosophy. Let us talk about reasoning. Let us talk about common sense and let us talk about nonsense. So, I quickly told my wife that don't be fooled by these guys. The woman gave birth, not the man. A woman was born by God, created by God with womb. She changed her sex to man, but she didn't remove the womb. She would have removed the womb and give conceive. I rest on section 9, Human Rights Act. In my expression. Supported by section 13. If anybody is hearing me and is thinking otherwise. Hmm? Okay. How will the coming of Jesus take place? First Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 16. It says, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of the archangel this is the procession or the procedure that will take place and the trumpet call of God and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first after that we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air And so, we will be with the Lord forever. This scripture tells us the process of Jesus' coming. But let us look at it one after the other. 
The first thing is that it says, the Lord himself will appear from heaven. He will come down from heaven with a loud command. With the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. Now, listen to me. The Bible tells us that the archangel will blow a trumpet and then the myriads of angels will blow the trumpet. They will fill the skies of this world. The whole sky. It's like when you have so many aeroplanes in your sky. Now, you will have more angels in the sky that you cannot see the cloud anymore. And they will blast. Imagine angels blasting trumpet and the whole sky all over the world is filled. Okay? But yet, that trumpet, the first people that will hear it are the dead in Christ, not the dead in church. Not the one we buried and said that we will meet at the river when he did not die in Christ. Not a person who died in sin or rebellion against God. Though we speak in tongues together, we heal the sick together. Jesus said that we say to them, I know you not, you men of evil works. He's talking about people who died in Christ. People who decided not to disobey the word of God. People who live by the standard of the word of God. Who did not meddle or mingle with the system of this world. Who stood out in everything for Jesus Christ. They are the ones that will hear. Those who have died in church and they are not, sorry, they won't hear. They will have their place in second death. Listen to me. The Bible says then, that sound continues. Then the ears of those who are alive will hear. But two things will happen. Those who are alive that will hear, if they have the Holy Spirit inside them, which means they are born again truly, not just coming to church, they have surrendered their life to Christ, they have repented from the ways of this world, there are people who, if the Bible says something, it is binding upon them. It is enforceable over them. They submit to the Bible. In every council, they will vanish. Let me tell you what will happen. Your airport, there's going to be a lot of fire. Because the guy at the control tower is born again and, and he's gone. The guy driving, you have Heathrow will be one of the most problematic on earth. Because, you know, you have several planes coming down Heathrow at the same time. And while the guy who is supposed to control them has gone, and some of the planes, the captains are born again, they have vanished. Alright? People in the plane still think that they are there. Those among them who are born again are vanished. The one who command the firemen may be born again and he's gone. And then every plane will begin to crash over themselves in the airport. There will be fire and inferno, such that man had never seen before. There will be calamity and chaos that the world had never envisaged. Because the fireman whose command is gone. The one in the control tower is gone. Look at motorway where you have many vehicles driving and driving, and the trailer, few, some of them who are born again have gone, and the trailer will just go, begin to smash all vehicles. There will be calamity in the streets of this world, in the airspace of this world. There will be calamity in the petrol stations of this world. There will be calamity in the refineries of this world. There will be fire and inferno everywhere. There will be chaos. Something that television station cannot announce. I will talk to you about that, the day of the Lord. And help you understand the application of these words in the context of our civilization today. Christians are vanished in this world. They will, because Jesus, who they serve, vanished. Listen to me. Jesus said that there will not be such a terrible day before and after. Because the sins are gone. You got to make up your mind where you're going to be. For me, I made up my mind. 
when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, and time shall be no more, and when the saints of God are gathered on the other side, listen to me, when the road is called up yonder, I will be there. Someone says that. What are you saying? How are you confident? I made up my mind to submit to the counsel of God. Period. That is the reason why Apostle Williams have not copied my colleagues who preach error and teach error and manipulate people and turn them bankrupt. I've never stolen anybody's money. I never lied on the scriptures. I never took money from people because I'm a preacher. I live the life of the apostle who walk with their hand too. Whose head are correct and hot. Laid an example for people to follow. I will have followed the rest of them and buy Rolls Royces. But when the trumpets are sound, <laughs> when the trumpets are sound, there will be sorrow or not. In the church, the church of God will have greater sorrow because the rich church have gone. Anybody who hear people like myself and they said, look, we will soon finish all this talking. You are the, it will be your turn to preach. Oh, yes. <laughs> Listen to me. <coughs> the scripture cannot lie. Someone has said to me that, you know, when I told them that <laughs> this way you are going, you may go to hell. He said, I will sin so bad that God will be very angry with me. When he throw me with anger, I will pass hell and I will land in heaven. Is he Satan? Is he Satan? Is there somebody saying that? You, if somebody is angry with me, he will just go to the North Pole and throw me into the river, the sea. And I will fly over all the sea and I will land in that. Once you enter the sea, you go for the sea forever. You see? I looked at him and shook my head. Satan got him. When his mouth born in hell, Satan is the one that will be putting real fire there. That Did you not say so? This is your old heaven. May the devil not deceive us. Listen to me. The Lord will appear with the archangel's voice. Then he says, the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds. To meet with the Lord in the air. And so we shall be with the Lord forever. We understand that it's not saying that we will be in the air forever. Because the Bible tells us about, in the first Corinthians, first Peter, Three, about the, the art that we are, how we're born with fire and all stuff like that. And a new art and a new heaven will be built, which will be the abode of the righteous. We'll talk about that detail as I go along in this lecture. But this is it. This is how Jesus will come. I was taken to heaven one day. And the Lord took me and showed me the procession of angels that will usher in the coming of the Lord. In the middle is the archangel with a long trumpet. Those of you who have been with me will remember I told you this at that encounter. Long trumpet. And the other angels, their trumpet form an arc like this. And then on the other side, an arc like this. Their line is endless. Because the king of kings is about to come. You will see chills flying, announcing his coming. You will see seraphs 
flashing with symbols. You will see the choir of heaven singing because the king of heaven is coming to reclaim his art that he has created. It will be so, a melody you have never heard before. I saw those angels. All of them had their trumpet in their mouth and their hand on the trumpet waiting for the command of the Father. I told you, in this world, there are some of us God called. Okay? He called us to use us as a symbol that the Bible is true. We do not preach the Bible, we experience it. So that man will be left without any excuse. I don't teach you that you seek God and you can find God that I haven't found. I don't teach you, you pray and you can see angels that I haven't seen. I've been to heaven more than 14 times. Who I can't even, I've lost count of it. Lost count of it. It's all written in my book. That is up to the time the book was written. Because I've had his encounters again after that. Those angels are ready. As I'm talking to you now, they can blow the trumpet. The reason why they haven't blown the trumpet, Peter tells us, is because of the mercy of the Father for the whole mankind to be saved. But I think time is running out. I think mercy is almost getting finished. With all the evil, we'll see the evidence of that as I show you in the Bible. Some people, I met some ministers who said that, you know, coming of the Lord, well, the Lord won't come in our own time. The day minister said that one of the people that I really know, and he has influence over a lot of people, <laughs> I called him aside. I look into his eyes, but I said, that thing you said there, say it before me. Say it, my brother, before me. That the Lord is not coming in your time, you are finished. You are finished. And I showed him in the Bible, when the Bible says that those who be saying those things are possessed of the devil. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. I said, never in your life. You don't know, God is love, but he's also a God of judgment. Don't fall under the sword of God. He will not have mercy. Especially when you are undoing what God had done or trying to deny his, his sovereignty. He will show you that he saw. He will call you home straight. You don't preach because you want people to fill your church. The truth is for those who sing the truth. And it doesn't matter how minimum they are or how many they are. We will read destiny with you. Hello? I was sharing with you. CFT we reach destiny. Yeah. When I started with you all many years ago, 27 years now, I was taken to Apple on Saturday. Let me tell you this joke is good. One of the members said, Daddy, I want to spoil you. Spoil me, let's go. He took me to Apple. He got me this, this watch. Let me show all of you. I'm now computagenic. Huh? You, I followed your trade. Look at, look at. He bought me this wristwatch. He said, Daddy, you must put on. When we got there, they were saying that, uh, he said, I want the biggest one. The man said, do you know it's expensive? He said, did I tell you that I, 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 I don't, I wouldn't want to pay. I want to pay. He said, this is my daddy. And he said, what do we buy, mommy? He said, well, 
She want to buy, he wanted to buy mommy this watch, and I said, ah, mama, <laughs> I am even, she is more heavenly than me because to use this thing, she will not be able to. I said, he said, I want to buy him her watch and buy her iPad Pro. I said, buy her iPad Pro, but not the big one like my own, buy her small one. Because a woman, she likes to carry like handbag. And he bought the iPad Pro. When he told them the one he wanted, the man said, he's expensive. He said, get it from me. You are supposed to sell. <laughs> give me that iPad. And he said, I will give her the, the wristwatch. I'm telling you for a reason. And when he bought this for me, I said, I'm going. He said, Daddy, why don't we eat together? I said, eat. They've taken my wife away. The... Um, these ladies, what do they call them again? They, look at them. They took my wife away for a weekend. What God has joined together. <laughs> my wife has never separated from me since we married. We never slept in two places in one night. But Joanna's the one. You know? So they took her away. She came back knocked out anyway. So. <laughs> So, I was able to go and eat when the brother mentioned Nando's. Ah, it's my friend. <laughs> and we went to Nando's and he, he bought Nando's for me. I ate chips for after how many years, but different chips than the one you buy fish and chips. The chips, they put some brown thing on top of it. <laughs> peri peri sauce. Peri peri sauce, you call it. Spice. They put some brown stuff. Uh, when I ate that, I said, oh my God, bless my soul. Now, and I finished eating as we were eating, you know. When we were going to eat, we, we passed a shop with, with shoes. He said, Daddy, let me buy you shoes now. I said, no, let's go and eat first. We'll buy shoes some other time. Why am I saying this to you? He came into this church some years ago with nothing. With nothing. And this is a man who, I remember the first time he came to me and told me, this is the job I'm doing in this company. And the Lord told me that that company will be yours. I said to him, but work there as you are working for me and for God. Work better than everybody. He said, yes, dad. He worked, he worked so hard to the extent that the, the boss promoted him. Then the boss called him as the Lord has said. One day I said, I want you to be my partner. After a few years, made him a partner. And after some time, the boss said, I will give this company to you. Big company, not, not a small company. So I looked at him when he came. And I looked at how the word of God has changed and formed him. What I'm telling you is that we don't have to be many. For those of you who are here, you must enter heaven by force, by fire. Yeah. If I can if you are too slow, I will drag you. Yes. Because if you follow my path on earth, you will succeed. You will succeed on earth. And we will reach everyone together. Listen to me. And I looked at the lives of many of you. How God has transformed you one after the other. Let me tell you this now. This man and this woman just got married. And I said I would talk about them. Because it is good for me to do so. When they met, they came to me. The same instruction I give to everybody, I give to them. Conduct your courtship. 
according to the standard of the Bible. They went back and told their parents. I was happy when the mom was talking about, you know, you know their courtship. Because I listened very well to the mom. I listened to the dad and his mom. And they said how they came to them and said, look, we'll be under your supervision. I can't touch her until we marry. And this is what I teach everybody publicly. And they kept themselves clean until marriage. And when Brother Jeremy was giving testimony on that day, he said, for the first time, I have lipsticks on my lips. For the first time, he kissed a woman. Hallelujah. <laughs> Same thing with me, uh, son. I kissed your mom for the first time, and I never kissed any woman when we married. Listen to me, therefore. That's a good example. And that is what others should follow. They did introduction. Introduction doesn't mean marriage. Because you can do introduction and decide not to marry. Probably did dowry. And then wedded. Listen to me therefore. You can walk under the scripture. Within this remit of the Bible. It's all joy, happiness, joy, happiness, no regrets. I would together now. So he says, we're talking about, are you ready to meet your Savior? And we're looking at the procedure or process of the coming of the Lord. Let me, in the next ten minutes I'll finish, let me go through two others. What will Jesus do when he comes? We are ready in that Revelation 22 to have that he will judge and give reward. But Jesus said in the book of Matthew 25, verse 31, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people from one from another, another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on one side, on the right side, and the goats on the left side. If you read that scripture, I said the goats, he will, give them, he will send them to hell. You know, when I was giving you the evidence of the coming of the Lord, that Jesus is coming, evident from the revelation, that is what he said after he ascended. But while he was on earth too, he made mention of the, his coming in the book of John 14, 1 to 3. He says, do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my father's house are many mansions or rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. Among all spiritual leaders in the world, regardless of what their religion is, none of their leaders promised them he's coming back, but Jesus. Only Jesus promised those who follow him he's coming back. No religious leader. They died and they rotten in their graves and their bones are finished. But Jesus said to those who believe in him, I am going to my father. He says, and I will die and I will rise on the third day, and he did. 
Before the eyes of men, he ascended to heaven. Forget about all the stories that uh, people who came up, religion that came up over 400 years after Jesus had left, telling about Jesus' story. I don't know how people can believe such stories. Jesus Christ died, resurrected, evident by those who were with him, which is a good test of history. And from those who had the reports from those who were with him. He ascended to heaven. Now he descended in the island of Patmos. When I was in Greece two weeks ago in the leaders conference there, the, one of the leaders is a pharmacist, uh, no, a doctor, doctor of um, dentist. And he was telling me that the island of Patmos, he said, Apostle, have you been to the island of Patmos? I said, no. He said, you need to go. He said, the cave where John saw Jesus is still there today, preserved over 2,000 years. They marked that cave till today in Greece, Greek island, Patmos. And I told them when I come next year, they first take me to that place. So the story of the Bible is not fiction. It is a historical fact. Okay? If you check it out in human understanding. So Jesus is coming back again and he will take us home. Now, I will introduce this and we'll come back to deal with it. What are the signs of the end? How do you know that the end time has come? In the book of, John, in the book of Matthew 24, in the whole of chapter 24, read it when you get home. What it says in the beginning, <clears throat> really let me read from verse 3. It says, as Jesus was <clears throat> sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him, you know, to him privately. We will, those of us going to Israel in next month will be going to the Mount of Olives or know where all these things happen. It says, that, it says that the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the signs of your coming and the end of age? So, if you look at this question, this is a direct question. How will we know when Jesus will come? The disciples asked him. And what did Jesus say? Let's read together. The first thing Jesus said that deception will mark my coming. At the time of my coming, there will be heavy deception. And it says to those who believe in him, be careful. Be alert. That is the word, watch out. But if I read this to you, and we're going straight away into, into the three, the four categories of deception. The first thing Jesus said is that for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and will deceive many. This one is not talking about false Christ in church alone. It's talking about ministers who will arise in the church of God, and they will present themselves as Messiah. Let me say this to you. For any one of you is called that will be called by God in the future, do to the people as I do to you. The work of a minister is to show people the way to their God and step out. So that those people can communicate with God. But of course, ministers themselves who have no contact with heaven, that they are only just booming. Things they read from people. Intel, intelligent things. How can they show you the way to God? 
Jesus said the blind will lead the blind, they both fall in peace. That's the reason why Christians should not just go to a church. Go to follow a man that you know he's walking in the steps of Christ. Because Jesus said, by their fruits you know them, not by falling, not by miracles. Of course, anybody who has the testimony of truth will experience power, signs, and wonders. True power, signs, and wonders. Not pushing up people because we don't have to fall. Reducing God's power to human falling on the ground. It's terrible. Let me tell you. According to the scripture, deception. I was shown a video yesterday. Uh, one of the Muslim clerics is now doing crusade, like Christians do crusade. And people were going to him. And he was laying hands on people who have demons. And they were behaving like when deliverance minister prayed for them. He even talking to them and they were answering him. A Muslim cleric. They, they showed in that video people who are blind and who are lame. But they didn't show us that any one of them saw or walked. But they were showing us the one that are saying that they have demons. They are exactly as deliverance minister conducting church. They will put their hands on their... You don't need to touch people for God to deliver them. I was preaching in London here one day. A woman flew from the third row to the ceiling in New Cross. And when she got to see it, she flew vertically. Nobody touched her. She hit the floor. She didn't break her hands. Some of you were there. And I rebuked the evil spirit to come out of her. We have seen the power of God cast demons out. We don't touch them. The Bible says that Jesus said, if I cast out demons with the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon me. Did you hear that Jesus, you know, grabbed the demon, uh, the madman of Gadarin? I prayed for a madman who had been mad for 40 years. A simple prayer. Lay hands on his head. Real evil spirit, I rebuke you. Come out in the name of Jesus. And the man got up, he was healed. I was preaching in Lagos one day. And a madman strolled into the church, shouting and making noise. And people, it's been inside me, people ran. I was teaching them on the supremacy of the name of Jesus. So if I'm teaching the supremacy of the name of Jesus, and a madman came in, why would God allow that? Because God wants to deliver that one. Simple. I turned to him, I said, sit down. And the man fell to the ground, just at a distance. I told the people, look at me, this is where the action is. Kept teaching them. When I finished my teaching, the man was there. <laughs> Shut up. Those are the demons. You see, what demons do in services is that they want to distract your attention from God. So that you can focus on the devil. Foolish are the churches where people start to celebrate them. The whole of the day, God will not move anymore in that place. God will not even move. Because they can come in and begin to do all those nonsense. If you misbehave, I tell my ushers to bond you out. I can't be speaking and a demon is speaking. It's an insult. You can't speak and a demon is speaking. It's an insult. The Bible says, command them. When I finish, I say, you fast me. Get out in the name of Jesus. And he fell by his back. And I carried my Bible and left. Two hours we went for a break. We came back. The man was in his right senses. I can tell you many more. Any deliverance that is not conducted exactly as Jesus did in the Bible is fake. It's exorcism. You know, this is just the issue. <laughs> you don't cast that demon 
Because you have boldness. A demon said to the sons of Kivas, Jesus you know. Paul will know. Who are thou? They are church members. The Bible said that demon stripped them naked. The different, what makes a difference is this. If you are a person who is a God seeker, you are closer to God. When demons see you, they move away. And because you are closer to God, if you turn to them and say, get out of that place, angels will throw them because you are closer to God. I would do. There is no special anointing for it. It is relationship with God. A man who relates with God does not bottle people in his heart. A man who relates with God does not walk in the council of the wicked or sit in the seat of scoffers, waste all his lifetime talking nonsense, chatting with people who are failures, who are, who are, who are no achievers. He doesn't hang around mediocres. He hangs around people who challenge his faith. He hangs around people who challenge his destiny. People who are achievers, who are forward-thinking. People who are forward-thinking don't talk, uh, do you see your brother? Do you see your sister? Are you the watchman of your sister? Your life you haven't sorted. You are talking about somebody else's life. No, a godly person don't do that. Those are the things that hinder authority. I would get it now. Many will come in my name, they will claim they are the Christ. And say they will deceive many. You are having them today. People being deceived in the church of God again and again. Let me say, so the first sign is, you know, the, the major work is deception. They will deceive many. If you look at churches of God today, there is a church in Nigeria. The bishop just stood up and said, Holy Spirit told me to divorce my wife. And marry the leader of the, of the choir. A girl that he had been committing adultery with. When they brought the case to me in London, as they were telling me, the elder, that, do you know, Apostle, this man was a man of holiness. Suddenly, just changed, following all these money racketeering people. We were telling him that, remember, you, the way you started, you don't do things like this, but he had gone too far. And when they were telling me about, but I you know the worst thing? He just got up and said, Holy Spirit told me to divorce my wife and marry the leader of the choir. The Lord brought the leader of the choir before me and brought that bishop before me. And I said to the other, look at the person I'm looking. Let me describe them. And I began to describe them. He said, yeah, yeah, that is the girl. And the Lord said, look at him. Four years tape was played for, to me. He had been sleeping with that girl for four years. And I said, elder, this bishop you are telling me that is standing before me. He's been sleeping with this girl for four years, correct? And the elder said, yes. The first day he did it, he, he came to us and confessed. And we prayed for him and told him that, okay, we, we will make sure that we, we separate you. But he continued behind to sleep with the woman. Hey, Holy Spirit. You can't lie to the Holy Spirit. You cannot cheat Holy Spirit. Blessed is the man who has them. And the Lord told me what to do with him. But this is the funniest thing. The elders challenged him. The Holy Spirit can't say things like that. 90% of the church are youths. They stood up and said that, but it is the bishop we listen to to know what God is saying. If the bishop said the Holy Spirit told him to leave his wife and marry somebody else, that the bishop, how can you challenge the man of God? Hey, that is a church. Deceived. 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 I told you the day you see my message change, stop me and confront me. If you don't, you will pay with your life. If I will rebuke you and confront you when you go wrong, I'm protecting you. 
You have to do the same thing to me. There's no such a thing as a bishop that you can't talk to archbishop. I'm the Pope of, 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 of CFT. That's the highest level now. You have Pope for Roman Catholic. I am the highest authority here. I'm Pope. Hmm? Or Archbishop. But let me say this to you. Yet, Paul said, pray for me. If Paul can say, pray for me, I won't reach Paul's level. So why would I say, no, you pray for me? If you challenge what I say, I will show you the word. But you will never say, see me say what is not in the word. So that you too can live the same kind of life. If you live the life of the world, people will not have anything wrong about you. Bishop deceived 90% of the church. He lived in adultery. They said, Holy Ghost said it. What about all the issues? You come to churches, they bastardize the message. They will bring about four preachers into a meeting. Every preacher will raise offering. Every preacher will raise offering. They are all devils. They are messengers of Satan. Someone said they preach about Jesus. Oh yes, my, Jesus. my father was a devil before he got born again. He can't perform miracles as a devil worshiper. On the last day, he will reveal. The Bible says many will be deceived. How can someone tell you that your miracle is attached to your, to your seed? I mean, you think with common sense now. We go to which doctor? We pay him to get miracles. Now we, God delivered us from witch doctor, brought us to the church, from fry pan to fire. Now the witch doctor will take only small money. But those in the church now, they will take four offerings in one service. What are you doing with it? Those who follow them should have common sense. You cannot pay God for your righteous act. No, you have to work with God to be able to experience God. You have to believe in God. Not your seed will give, will give you those things. God doesn't need your money. He needs your relationship. He needs relationship. After all, all the preachers who preach, they will have to raise their own money from, from, you know, people, I mean, people who are just bankrupt already. People borrow money to give them. The Bible says, Jesus said that many will be deceived. If you have to borrow money to give to an offering, you are contraving God. Because the Bible says that you should give from what you have, not from what you don't have. First Corinthians chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Give from what you have, and not from what you do not have. Someone says to you that this, this giving you are given, this is what will bring that miracle. The Bible says so in the morning. In the evening do not hold back. You don't know whether this or that will bring the yield. And someone says that you know you have some curses following you. Tell him that it follow him too. Oh yes. Jesus delivered us from the curse of the law. Galatians chapter, chapter um, 3 verse 9. And he gave up from the curse of the Lord. Having been a curse for us. Listen to me. The church of God is full of liars more than the witch doctors. That's right, Pentecostal movement. The most unregulated organization under heaven. Anybody can just wake up today and put his name, apostle or prophet or bishop. Fools follow them. They follow them. You know, what, what baffles, baffles me a lot is that I meet some people who are professors, who are, you know, learned people, lawyers, doctors, and they are following a stupid man. I think both of the same fellows should flock together. I think education helps you to have IQ. But it seems it's not so, because Jesus said many will be deceived in our time. President of nations going to Nigeria to look for the liar who is in Nigeria. I won't mention his name. You know him. 
People want to go to where crowd is. Jesus says, broad is the way that leads to hell. Many are tripping it. I'm speaking not to you alone, but to the people watching me on television. Many will be deceived by them. You will hear of war, rumors of war, but see to it that you are not alarmed. That's happening. Some things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famine and earthquakes in various places. We have recorded more earthquakes in the past 50 years than since creation. Science proves that. All these are the beginning of bad pains. Then you will be handed over to the persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. That has happened to Christianity even in UK. Christian country. A Christian put on cross, small cross, a staff of British Airways. British Airways sacked her for putting on small cross. But in the same British Airways, they have hijab. In the same British Airways, people put on hijab. She put on their cap, which is bigger than cross. And they, we went to the, to the high court. The high court ruled against that Christian. That, that Christian has no right. After proving these evidences, went to the Supreme Court of England. The Supreme Court ruled against her. Our Supreme Court ruled against her. We have to go to the European Court of Justice, ECJ. It was ECJ that said, Section 13 gives her right to manifest her Section 9, manifest her religion. And Section 13 gives her right that other rights cannot impede the other rights. And they overruled our Supreme Court decision. When did England become an institution that ruled against Christianity? And then rule for other religions. This is where we are. You'll be hated by honesty. In your offices, you put symbol there that Jesus, the way, the truth, and life. They will come to you. A person with a Muslim can put his Muslim symbol. Nobody will talk. I have an issue. Churches apply for planning permission, they turn them down. Mosques apply and they give them. You'll be hated, Jesus says. So it's not strange. These things are happening. But it can't continue for too long. The owner of his world is coming soon. Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death and we will be hated by all nations. If you look at the uh, Syrian war, these uh, ISIS went to a village and they slaughtered 1,000 men in one minute. In one day. What about Boko Haram in Nigeria? They took a girl, they told her to deny Jesus. The girl said, I will not. They dug a hole. I saw the video. I see how that video. They put the girl in the hole and they buried her with her neck out and they started stoning the head until the head was pieces. They took a pastor with his family and they were burning them alive, beating them and kicking them into the ditch and light, put leaves on them. The one that tried to come out, they kicked him back into the ditch and they burnt him alive. Let me say this to you. Is it hidden from government of the nations that this happening? Is not. Christians are slaughtered. They are burnt alive. That's the reason why you, you, listening to me, you can't take your life just like that. Because you want to go to the same heaven these people went. A Christian should be different from his appearance to his inside. From anybody who is not a believer. Christian boys don't cause useless stupid hairs. And look like a rogue. A man Christian don't put on earrings and look like a woman. What is wrong with you? 
If a man dressed like a woman is because that woman, that man does not feel he's somebody. The spirit of Christ is a spirit of liberation. Listen to me. Don't call evil good. Homosexuality is a sin. First Corinthians chapter six verse nine applies. I'm not talking about Romans chapter one because the, that is debatable. Uh, it's not debatable, but though they debate it, and they tell you that they don't believe in Genesis chapter one. God created one man and one woman. Listen to me, therefore, many will be deceived, and you'll be hated. Jesus said it. I soon finish five minutes. I'll finish. It says, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. But because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will was cool. So here, Jesus talking about false doctrine. He talking about false teachers. He talking about false prophets. He talking about perilous time. Godlessness. And the love of many was cool. Who is behind all this? Lucifer. He, he's, he's pouring cold water on the love of Christians. Let me tell you, Christians have ethics. We have ethics in the Bible, which we must follow. How a Christian should appear, how a Christian should conduct his marriage, is in the Bible. Don't you think God has changed? He hasn't. The Bible is still the same. It's still the same. You cannot do what God says don't do. And say you will see the God who wrote the Bible. Impossible. Impossible. You got to repent. Satan deceived many of us. He deceived us. The love of many wives cold. You have Christians who go to church once in a week. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Anybody who goes to lecture her once in a week, I don't know how many of them came out in past. The Bible says in the book of Acts, chapter 2, if you read from verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to prayer and to breaking of bread and to fellowship. And the Bible says every day they continue to go to the next verse. It says every, everyone was filled with awe and, uh, and many signs and wonders were, were done by the apostles. Then the next verse, and the believers were together and had everything in common. The next verse, selling their processions and goods, they gave to everyone as they have a need. Yes. Shall we read that verse together? Say it again. Every day they went to church. That's what we do in this house. There is prayer here, one hour, Monday to the end of the week. Every day. Every day. Jesus said, can you not watch for me an hour? That's the reason why people who do what I say, they don't have to be praying against situation. We, we are ahead of the devil. Ahead of the devil. Nothing catches us on our ways. The Lord told us that in this church, first, second, third, gather and pray. Pray over your request of the month. So that you don't have to pray in the midst of the month. And people who have been doing it have been receiving manifestations. Listen to me. They attend their temple every day. You go to work every day, eight hours. Some of you do 12 hours. To pray for one hour in the church, you think it's much? Someone says to me, that church, church, church every day. I say, what do you want me to do? That's Satan talking from you. Those who are witches, they have night vigil three times in a week. And they come to your office. White witches. I'm not talking about Africa. This is England. The first church I pastored in this country, our white. And a white witch came to me in that church, Oliver Defoe Baptist Church. She told us all what they do. Worse than what black witches do. You call them black witches. 
Listen to me, therefore, you and I must serve the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul. Someone says that church, church is too much. There are some people in the hospital begging for church to come and pray for them. God preserve you. Your prayer works for you. Satan doesn't want you to pray so that he can have room to do anything he likes with you. I was going to the hospital last Sunday, I tell you this. I was going to the hospital to pray with Pastor. You were with me, isn't it? And somebody else was with me. Who was the Pastor? Three of us were there, two. Dickie Nee was with me. We were in the hospital to go and pray for somebody as a believer who is in the uh, King's Hospital. As I st- and the, the child said, I should wait for him at the reception. As I was waiting in the reception for the man to come, a man was passing by in the reception of the hospital. You know, the reception is full. People are going up and down. Suddenly, the man said, <clears throat> the man said, Apostle Williams, Apostle Williams, Apostle Williams. I recognized that when people come like that, they watch you on television, and the man came straight away in that hospital and knelt down before me. He didn't care of anybody because what was wrong with him is more than shame. I'm telling his testimony for you to understand why you need to pray. You know what the man said to me? The first thing he said to me, he said, Apostle, I'm a Muslim, but I watch you every Sunday on television. He said, you are a true man of God. He said, my daughter is sick. He said, why will God allow me to pass when you are just coming to this hospital if God will not heal my son? He said, my daughter. He said to me, he said to us that my wife and family, we, they, my wife bring all my family to your meetings. He said, they will join some of your meetings. They will sit down over there. I said, okay. Don't worry, we will go and pray for your daughter. And he said, her name is Tawa Kalitu, which is a Muslim name. I said, yes, because you believe in Jesus, it works for everyone who believes in him. But when we got to that hospital, the condition of that girl, I'm saying to you, why shouldn't you pray? It's not when things go terrible you are praying. The reason why things go terrible sometimes is because we didn't pray enough. Jesus, the Bible says they attend the temple daily. Every day in this building, 7 to 8 is prayer. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I'm vigil on Friday from 9. Those who come, and they are, they are also busy like you. I would get that. So we must obey the call of heaven. You know, God wants a church he can be proud of. A people that he can tell you, they will do your worst. They will handle you duly. And they will come in the mess they develop. God said, I told you. I told you. We are not in the days of Job. I would get that. Some people say that whether the temptation of Job, it cannot happen to you now because of the blood of Jesus Christ. The days of Job is gone forever, will never be repeated. If somebody says to me that, hey, the devil is the one, it's like uh, as devil tempted Job, he's tempting me. Uh, then you must have the same result Job had. Because after devil killed all the children, God gave Job the most beautiful girls ever created. The Bible says so. He restored everything else and therefore. Don't let the devil deceive you. So therefore, many false prophets will appear and deceive many. Because the increase of wickedness, love of men will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. I'm going to stop there. But the three, the four things that the devil is going to be using, we'll look at them deeply 
godlessness in the last days. Satan will, will creep into the church and introduce godlessness. In the world, there is godlessness anyway. But the church will enter. Through what medium? False prophets. Number two. You know, if any Christian is a person who goes looking for prophets, you, have, you are drilled. The spirit that will speak to a prophet is inside you. Talk to him, he will talk to you. You carry God inside you. You are going to somebody who says, I have God. And they lie to you. And they, some of them are not, you know, they are just with doctors. Anybody who you go to who says he's a prophet and he has a box to call prophet offering, he's of the devil. I will show you in the Bible. If you go to a minister, if any minister will have a demand for money because you are seeing him, he's a, he's a necromancer. Those who are of God don't demand anything. If you give, it's what you decide to give. But not because they demand it. That's the difference. Of course, for those of you watching me, the Bible says you should bless those who labor over you. Not for this side, because this side will know the truth. But if a minister demands money, or you, you, know, a mini, you want to invite a minister to come and preach in your church and he sends you a bill, he's of the devil, don't let him stand your pulpit. They have eloquent words, but they have no connection with heaven. They look like good, but they are not godly. Because Jesus said, freely you receive, freely give. Look, I was told to come to, I was going to, to Cameroon to preach. Uh, Professor Williams, who passed through a uh, few weeks ago, he invited me to come and uh, minister to, you know, church leaders in Cameroon. Cameroon has been my territory for many years, as you know. And the people wrote me, for, to, you know, they thought I have only a British visa. So they wrote to me, bring your passport and they, uh, uh, go and get your visa with this letter and all stuff like that. And then they now wrote to me that, please let us know when you are coming so that we'll buy a ticket for you. We'll, we'll buy your ticket. Number one, I'm going to Africa. I would mean that. So I wrote back to them and I said to them that I have Nigerian passport as well. I'll be coming to Cameroon with Nigerian passport. My office in Lagos will buy my ticket. Why should they buy me a ticket? If you change their money, don't you know how much it will cost? It may be their month's savings to go and buy me a ticket. Why can't a member of my church receive that blessing? Why can't a branch of my church receive that blessing? To bless those people. I, we went to Cameroon so years ago together. And when we got there, we, were in the, we, were, we went to the church of the, the bishop, the archbishop of the whole evangelical, this evangelical church, pastor, Jerome's church. And when I sat down there, you know, they were running all over the whole place to satisfy us, which is hospitality. Give us food and all stuff. They dress their table and all stuff. I appreciate everything. And then the man said that, um, Apostle, you know, you are from England. We know your plane is expensive. This is a national meeting that the stadium was jam-packed. The president got involved and stuff. And he said that, um, you know, we don't know what to do. I said, don't worry. Don't worry. But when I sat into that, I said, this building that you are building is in Lintel. Why haven't you finished? When are you finishing it? Oh, he said, we have been building it for 20 years. The house of God for 20 years. I said, okay, how much we finish this lintel? 
And they told me how much we finished in Lenta. I changed it to pounds sterling. And it was 10,000. I picked my phone. I phoned this church. And I told the treasurer, I want 10,000. Wire to these people immediately. Tell the whole church that people should give. 10,000 pounds. Why should they, for 10,000 pounds, 20 years they can build? So they are the one who want to give me offering. I didn't deprive them. At the end of the day, they gave me an offering. And when they gave me the offering they gave me when I was going, I called the pastor, the overseer. And I said, I want to bless you. And I added my money to that offering and I gave it to him. So that it's not like I'm giving back the money they gave me. A minister cannot do that is of the devil. It's not by their offering. Somebody who has more that is taken from those who don't have. That is not my Jesus. My Jesus won't do that. You will get it now. So, we're going to look at godlessness, false prophet, false teachers, and false doctrine when I come back to your midst next Sunday. Shall we bow our heads to pray?